Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Live Free Now show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. I want to thank you for joining us today. We were supposed to be joined by Marjorie Wildcraft. She still may be popping in here, but unfortunately, we do not have Marjorie at this moment. But you got me, and uh, I'm going to talk to you about what we are facing when it comes to all these food shortages, all the inflation. It's pretty much crazy town right right now. So again, if you're just joining us, this is the Live Free Now show, and we're supposed to be joined by Marjorie Wildcraft. We may still be joined by her uh, any moment now, but unfortunately, um, we do not have her at this moment. But we are frantically trying to reach her, and uh, my lovely fiance, Rebecca, is reaching out at this time. But Let's chat. So I'll be monitoring the comments if anybody wants to chime in and let us know what their take is on all of the issues that we are facing in terms of inflation, in terms of supply chain shortages, in terms of new world order, green green fascism, eco-fascism, where they're hurting farmers all across the world in the name of the environment when in reality it's creating more problems for humanity we want to talk about all those problems but in true live free academy live free now fashion we are going to be focused on solutions and i do have some solutions lined up for you that we're going to be sharing today and i also want to invite you to take part in the exit and build homesteading on a budget workshop that we have coming up i've been really blown away by how many people have purchased tickets so far it's going to be really incredible uh, event so i hope you'll join us that's taking place september 3rd one thing that i realized in the work that we do with the exit and build land summit which is encouraging people to move out of the cities buy land and build community in the country perhaps one of the biggest objections people have is how could I possibly do that? I don't have enough money. There's no way I could possibly exit and build, move out to the country. So what we want to do is help show you how you can exit and build, how you can homestead, how you can become more food resilient on a shoestring budget, right? You don't have to have tons of money. You don't have to have a boom in business. You don't have to have a bunch of money down in order to become more food self-sufficient, more self-reliant. You just have to believe in yourself and take some massive action. And really, at the end of the day, the less money you have, the more creative you have to be. So we're going to be sharing some creative ideas and strategies at this upcoming workshop. Again, you can register at livefree.academy slash budget, livefree.academy slash budget. I'll be presenting. So will my fiance, Rebecca. We'll be joined by Marjorie Wildcraft. We'll be joined by Paul Wheaton. He's the Duke of Permaculture, one of the world's leading permaculture experts. And of course, Nicole Sauce out of Tennessee. She is always scrappy when it comes to food storage, preparedness, all sorts of great stuff. And finally, my good friend, Nomad Brad. He's our first community member out at Radical Roots Ranch. Uh, he lives in a converted U-Haul, and he lives very small budget, but he does a lot of really incredible things in his life. So we're really excited to have all of those folks joining us. Again, if you're just joining us, this is the Live Free Now show. We were supposed to be joined by Marjorie Wildcraft, but for whatever reason, we were not able to reach her. So hopefully she'll pop in, but uh, you got me here uh, rocking and rolling, joining you today. So let's talk about what's going on. We find ourselves in some pretty trying times, right? Things were already rough. There was all sorts of division in the world. And really, 
I think what's going down is there was all these fractures within the global economy and within the economy here in the U.S., and those fractures got exacerbated with the COVID-19 fiasco, right? So there are already these problems that we were experiencing, and they got magnified. There was already inflation on the horizon because they were cranking out the printing press left and right, never really stopped. It's never stopped, actually. And just for a quick tidbit real real quick, a lot of people may not really understand what inflation is, and especially a lot of folks in the left community with more of a left anti-capitalist economic analysis. A lot of people falsely believe that inflation, rising prices, comes from greedy corporations, right? In reality... The textbook definition of inflation is the value of the money goes down because the money supply is increased. So it's a classic supply and demand situation. The more of something you have, the less it tends to be worth. So we have these central banks that are churning out money, new money, and with the COVID-19 manufactured crisis, they cranked out more money really than ever before. And in fact, it's estimated like the U.S. money supply grew in a matter of a couple years. It, they added 40% of the money in existence in just a couple of years. And so when that happens, it creates all sorts of economic problems because the value of our money goes down. This especially hurts folks that have a lot of money in the savings account and it especially hurts low-income families that are already struggling to make ends meet as it is. Now, all of a sudden, gas, food, housing, rent, electricity, everything costs more. It's a great crime, really, because these elite, these big bankers, these big mega corporations, they have access to that new money before it trickles through the economy and lowers the value of the money supply in general. So that's one problem that we're facing. And I do want to point out there's a lot of folks that are more conservative and right-wing leaning that like to lay the blame at Joe Biden when in reality uh, Donald Trump, he did do some things good for the economy, right? I'm a free market anarchist guy, so I don't think anybody should intervene with the economy whatsoever, but there were some restraints that were relaxed under Trump. However, Trump most definitely cranked up the printing press unlike any president before him. So he is in large part responsible, just as responsible as President Joe Biden. But that's, at the end of the day, what we try to do in our agorist community, our freedom cell communities, avoid all this party politics and BS and laying the blame and just ask ourselves, what can we do? Okay, so in addition to all the inflation that came out of the COVID pandemic, on top of that, there was all sorts of supply chain problems that were exacerbated as well because of the damn lockdowns. What a terrible public health policy, whatever you want to call it. It, Oh, man. It all just perfectly plays into the Great Reset, of course, which we talk a lot about. And in fact, we're hosting our fourth annual Greater Reset. This one's called The Co-Creations, coming up January 18th through the 22nd. Check out thegreaterreset.org. Join our mailing list to keep in touch with us. But all of the policies that were enacted in order to supposedly slow the spread fit hand-in-hand hand with the Great Reset. What is the Great Reset? For those of you that may not know, it is an effort being carried out by the World Economic Forum, led by the World Economic Forum, which is a 
group of oligarchs, some of the wealthiest, most powerful people in the world in all sorts of different industries. They meet annually in Davos, Switzerland. And more recently, they issued this declaration, a call to action they call the Great Reset. It's led by this guy named Klaus Schwab, who has Nazi lineage and was also a disciple of Henry Kissinger, who, interestingly enough, once said that we should use food as a weapon. Specifically, we should withhold food aid to certain countries in order to get them to bend to the will of the U.S. empire. We kind of see that taking place right now, don't we? So we have this effort of Great Reset. All these policies all played into this Great Reset. The goal of the Great Reset is to radically transform life as we know it, the role of business, the role of capitalism, the relationship between the government and the individual. They want to expand government's role and influence in our lives, big government, big corporations. They want to merge biology and technology with this phenomenon known as the fourth industrial revolution, which is data, big tech, artificial intelligence, drones, robotics, automation, the virtual world, right? This metaverse phenomenon that we see coming to being at the same time that the Great Reset and they're putting out all these documents and white papers and stuff. It's really where they're going. And a big part of it is to cease the town square, to cease going to work, to cease physical interaction, pull people into this fake virtual world. And again, these COVID policies really played into that. The lockdowns especially took people into Zoom, the Zoom workforce, right? Made it so people are afraid of one another, no hugging, no town square, all this craziness. Another piece of this puzzle is the environmental controls and all this environmental hysteria being used as a means of ushering in this green economy, carbon sequestration, sequestering, um, limiting people's ability to use fossil fuels, fertilizer, you name it. And this is exactly what we see taking place. It's hand in hand with the Great Reset. It's also part of the United Nations Agenda 21, now known as the Agenda 2030 Sustainable Development Goals, SDGs. This is what we see taking place in the Netherlands, just recently passed in Canada. It's where they are limiting farmers' use of agricultural supplies and products and fertilizer because they say it has such a carbon output and negatively affects the economy. So they want to shut down this, these farmers' ability to produce food. And you see, all of this is all like culminating in this perfect storm to usher in this techno-fascist dictatorship. They want people to be dependent on them and their centralized systems. They want to do away with the family farm. They want to do away with these ideals and these norms that people take for granted, really, of going down to the farmer's market to pick up your milk, raw milk and eggs, right? The family farm sustaining multiple generations. It's all getting tweaked and, and messed up through subsidies and manipulation and all this green agenda. So what are we going to do about it, right? Uh, well, you know, let's talk a little bit more about the problem, then we're going to get into what we're going to do about it. So a lot of the problem has to do with centralization. Okay, I consider myself a decentralist, right? And I think decentralization is a great banner that we can rally behind, in large part because decentralization, it's nonpartisan. 
It doesn't have to even have a particular ideology. It's really just a strategy. It's a means to an end, right? So how are we going to go about bringing about change in the world? It's something that can unite conservatives, Republicans, people that had an, have an adoration, admiration for the Constitution. It's something that can uh, unite folks that are of the left that believe in equality and mobility and a higher standard of living for the masses, right? And it's all about, so what are your ends, right? What are your ends? That's what you want in life. That's what you want for the world. That's what you want to see brought about. But how are you going to get there? Those are the means, okay? And I, I'm here to share with you, if you're watching this, you probably already know that centralized means are easily corruptible. And if we want to bring about more freedom, more respect for individuality, more respect for the family unit, right? And on, that's on the right side. And on the left side, we want to help the, the masses. We want people to be lifted out of poverty. We want there to be equality. The way to achieve those things, this is how we can speak to other people that aren't fully on board with this whole freedom message just yet. We can say, oh, I recognize that those are some of the values that you're fighting for, some of the things that you want in life. Well, what if I told you the best way to go about those things is through direct action, non-political, decentralized means, meaning what if we just all work together on a local level and start supporting one another, person to person, human to human? How does that sound? Let's give it a shot. It's centralization that is the great enemy of freedom. And it's precisely centralization that the Great Reset is pushing for. It's precisely centralization and centralized solutions that the United Nations is pushing for. And it's precisely centralization that we need to identify as a common enemy for free people. But we don't just identify the problem. There's all sorts of folks in the freedom, truth, health, freedom community that just focus so much energy on the problem. And what we aim to do, when I say we, I mean me, myself, Live Free Academy, the Freedom Cell Network, my good friend Derek Bros and Ramiro Romani, the work we're doing with The Greater Reset, River and Amani of Haven Earth. There's this whole movement of people that recognize if we want to bring about change in this world, we have to focus on solutions. Spend some time on the problem, but not understanding the problem for the just for the sake of knowing what the problem is or for feeling all important and arrogant like we know we we know things that's what i used to feel when i would listen to alex jones back in college it must have been 2013 2014 maybe 2011 actually wait a second no i graduated high school in 2002 so this was in the early 2000s and i would walk around listen to my headphones and I had class every Tuesday and Thursday, and I would just bang on Alex Jones because he was cranking out 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at that time. Every single day he did, would do a show. And I just thought I was so special because I knew about the New World Order, and I knew that there was this global effort to create a totalitarian dictatorship. And I had my nose in the sky, but in reality, I was all freaked out and anxious. No, let us not understand the problem just for the sake of knowing the problem. Let's understand the problem so we can strategically work around the problem. That's the name of the game. And that brings us back to the importance of solutions. What are we gonna do about it? Okay, so in the context of this program today, we are talking about food shortages, supply chain disruption, inflation, and what can we do to overcome it? If you're just joining us, you are tuned into the Live Free Now show where I bring you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. We were supposed to be joined by Marjorie Wildcraft, but unfortunately, we were not able to uh, reach her today. So I'm just going to be spieling for you uh, for the next 20, 30 minutes or so. So uh, let's get on to the solutions, okay? Problem, centralization of the food supply chain, centralization of the money supply, banking, central banking, U.S. dollar, central bank digital currency, 
right? Problem over-reliance on grocery stores, part of that centralized food supply chain, right? So the solution is how can we decentralize our food supply chain and become more resilient? Okay, so how can we do that? Well, for starters, we can start to grow our own food. I mean, there's no reason why anybody within our freedom community should not at least have some container gardens going on the back porch. Start with the tomatoes, start with what's easy, right? You gotta have something going on. And again, we are going to be doing this homesteading on a budget workshop, September 3rd. I highly, highly recommend it. It has been, the tickets are just selling like gangbusters. We made it deliberately accessible. It's only $57 for a ticket. We normally charge $197 or more for the workshops that we put on, but we purposefully want this one to be accessible. And I gotta tell you, if you don't have $57 lying around, man, you gotta go out there and find some ways to start a side hustle, pull some money in, pull back on this, that, and the other. I'm not a big fan of pulling back Right? I think that if there's stuff you want in life, you add more. You find ways to make more money rather than cutting back. But there are things that people could cut back on. The Starbucks, what, I mean, I'm drinking some Starbucks now. Oftentimes when I do my show there in the morning, I got a little Starbucks drink here. And sometimes I think, what are people gonna think of me for drinking Starbucks, big corporate coffee company? Then I take a sip and recognize that I absolutely love it. We got Rebecca Rebecca Powers here. Come here, Rebecca. What's up? You want me to talk to Brad? Yeah, about the beach. All right, let's bring Brad in. We're going to bring Brad in. All right, we're speaking of solutions. We're drinking coffee, but uh, I feel pretty confident in the money that I have right now, right? I homestead on a budget, but we're also spending significant amounts of money investing in our property, doing amazing things, right? But if you are struggling and if you hear $57, I can't even afford $57, then I want you to ask yourself, how can I bring more money into my life? And what is it that I could cut out of my life that isn't necessary, right? So I want to invite you to take part in this workshop because we're going to be talking about all these ideas, all these strategies, all these ways. And, you know, to be honest, I'm doing much better financially now than I ever have been in my life. But me personally, I've struggled. I've struggled for years and years on end. And more recently, me and my lovely fiance, Rebecca, we made great sacrifices in order to move into this 10-acre homestead. We lived in a 399-square-foot tiny home. We cut back, we did meal prep, we lived small so later we could go big, right? And those are some of the strategies and secrets that we want to share with you at this upcoming workshop. You can register at livefree.academy slash budget, livefree.academy slash budget, and a lot of things we're going to share with you today we are going to be presenting at the workshop here coming up. But we're not joined by Marjorie today, but I got I can do you one better there. Let's talk to Nomad Brad. It's good, actually. If you did, what, what are you doing? Zoom in just a tiny hair there so we don't see. Okay, that's good. All right. All right. Nomad Brad, how are you? Hey, Freedom folks. I am doing fantastic. You know, it's uh, it's a Monday, but I tell people when you do something you love, uh, every day is just like a Friday, right? You're always doing something you enjoy and you have something to look forward to. And we're fired up for freedom. Fired up for freedom. I like that. All right. So Nomad Brad here is one of the teachers uh, for the Excellent Build Homesteading on a Budget Workshop, and I invited Nomad Brad because I've known this guy. What? what how long? We haven't even known each other. It's that only long. been a couple of years. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I've noticed. I've taken note. Like I like to observe people, and this guy, he um, he's living a good life. He's living his best life, and I could tell he's doing it without expending a whole lot of money. 
he's just doing cool things, seeing the world, traveling around. He's got his nice little dog mate there. He eats well. He lives well. But he does it on a shoestring budget. And at the end of the day, and then, but I, I imagine that he has some money, and that money's savings and investments, right? But he doesn't spend a lot of money. And so I want to point out that anyone can do this, right? So why don't you share a little bit about your background, Oregon, and then let us know how you came to be this nomad living in this pretty cool converted U-Haul. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I went through the traditional life path, uh, school and college and work, and I bought a house and I had cars and I had all this stuff you're supposed to have. But I realized I was time poor. I was always working, I was maintaining the house, and I just, at the time I was like in my early, early 30s, and I just felt kind of stuck. And I was like, is this it? I mean, I've got all the things life tells you to get, but I just, I just felt pretty stressed out. So um, I was looking to make some changes and I made a real big change. Um, I decided to sell everything I had. My house, uh, I had a business at the time, sold the business, sold everything, and uh, decided to buy a van, an old van on eBay and convert it into a tiny home on wheels. You know, I went down the YouTube rabbit hole of like alternative living and, and you know, what you could do to try to uh, experience more time wealth. And so for me, I growing up in Oregon, I really enjoyed the outdoors and nature and I wanted to find a way that I could spend more time in nature um, and, and just have more time freedom. And so in order to do that, you know, it requires you to either have a very large, uh, pile of money or some kind of uh, an online income where it's location independent, or you have to significantly reduce your expenses. And so for me, um, you know, living the van life anyway, you're kind of funneled into minimalism. You only have so much space for your, your items and possessions. And so I just kind of dove deep into minimalism and realized that, you know, when you're really living a life you enjoy, then you don't need so much stuff. And, uh, you know, that can be different for everybody. For me, it's nature, but I have friends um, that live in, in, in vans, for example, here in Austin, and one guy works at the Hilton. And he doesn't even have, like, um, you know, any cooking devices in his van because he's living in the city, and so he's, like, going out to eat and out to the bars and going to concerts, and, and, but he's not paying rent. You know, there's no rent, no water bill, no electric bill. Yeah. It just really cuts down your expenses. And so that's something that I'll be talking about um, at the workshop is, is how you can find the life that you want to live, right? It's different for everyone and how you can, you can make that happen without a lot of effort. I mean, you can start moving towards that life today and by instead of having to spend money uh, to, do, to get stuff to live this life, you can actually save money by eliminating things. Yeah, for sure. And when I hear that story, I think a lot about uh, life design. So you were living the life, you were carrying out the program like so many people do. It wasn't like you intrinsically thought this was the best thing for me to do, to buy a house, to settle down. It's just like, that's what people do. That's what my family did. That's what I see on television. That's what we all, we all carry out this program. But you snapped out of the program aligned with your own values and consciously made decisions to design your life around what you wanted. And unfortunately, a lot of people, they don't have that fortitude to actually do that. I agree. And I see a lot of people that struggle. And, you know, it, it takes a lot to go against the system and against the training that you've been conditioned into. But I see a lot of people that are really unhappy and they feel stuck. 
and they try to add things mm. um, to make themselves happy. So they might add uh, more possessions, or they might add maybe they have to add a bunch of medications to try to mm. you know feel good, right? But sometimes you have to look at it and say, you know, what's the the cause of my disease? And it might just be that your life sucks. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, and you can change it. So yeah. if you're just joining us, this is the Live Free Now show, bringing in the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. We were supposed to be joined by Marjorie Wildcraft today, but we weren't able to pull that off. But instead, we got Nomad Brad here. So uh, Nomad Brad currently lives at our 10-acre homestead, Radical Roots Ranch. And he helps with a lot of the projects on the farm. When we go out of town, he looks after the pups. He helps with all the food production systems. He does, He's like, we're here at the office. He's working on the chicken coop and all sorts of stuff. And so he actually lives rent-free. So he's a living example of somebody that lives on a small budget, but they're doing the exit and build homesteading thing without having to have a bunch of money for a down payment on a big piece of property, right? So I want everyone to know that there's creative ways to do this very same thing. So let's take it back in time. How much did you pay for that first van that you purchased on eBay? That was that was a long time ago. That was like five years ago. Um, so I purchased it. It was about fifty five hundred dollars, and it had two hundred and forty five thousand miles on it. Was it a Chevy or what was it? It was a Ford, baby. Ford tough. I always <laughs> okay. I always go Fords. And, uh, and I lived in it for two and a half years, converted it, and I sold it to a guy. And he called me like last year, and he's still driving around Arizona. He's over three hundred thousand. So. so you bought it for fifty five hundred. Mm -hmm. How much did? And it was just a van. It was a cargo van, so like okay. a traditional, you know, long van, but not anything big and crazy. Yeah. And I spent. Now I had some background in construction, so I did all the labor myself of converting and building. Which but anyone I, could learn if they really wanted to. And the reality is really YouTube videos, right? Yep. Because even though it's a van and I had some construction skills, it's still a different skill set you need for van-specific builds. Sure, sure. So all the information is available online at no cost. And I probably put into my first build about four or five grand. So for under 10000 Under ten, you have a home. You have a home. You know, and then here's the cool thing, right? If you look at your expenses, once you have this van and this is your home, the only expenses I had was gas... Uh, van insurance, food, and a cell phone. You know, that's it. And so I was able to shrink my monthly overhead down to, you know, under a thousand bucks a month. Nice. And so, you know, if you're somewhere where you don't have a huge savings, especially right now in the situation we're in, there's so many remote jobs available and the technology is there. You can get a hotspot and work online. Yeah. It's almost impossible to not be able to support yourself, you know, to find an online job that pays you at least a grand a month. Yeah, yeah. And if you, let's say you find a good job that actually pays really well, and now you have little minimal expenses, now you can start stacking that money to invest, to put into crypto, or yes. to save for a little half acre, one acre, two acre, 10 acre property, right? Depending on where you are. So you can do the van thing, and then that's what you do. That's what you enjoy, see the world. Or you can use the van life, living small as a means to the end of buying the house, of buying the land, or whatever it is that you want to do. It gives you more choices, it seems. Yes, and that's the thing to consider. Van life doesn't have to be forever, right? It can literally just be a vehicle, literally a vehicle, that you use to lower your overhead and save money towards whatever the next step might be. And so I know a lot of people that live in the city, they work regular jobs, and they just save crazy amounts of money. Um, you know, people look at their income, but what you really want to look at is income versus your expenses, right? Yep. So even if you're working 30, 40K a year job, a basic job, if you're only spending 800 bucks a month, you're able to save a lot. It's very hard. So how much did you sell the van for? So that van, I sold it for $15,000. 
Um, so not a huge profit there, but I, the reason I sold it is I wanted something bigger. So I sold it to a guy and then I got uh, a little bit bigger vehicle, a short bus, and then converted that and uh, that was my new home. Nice. So yeah, it was a pretty cool. Uh, it was a pretty cool gig. Right now, I'm in my third house, uh, my third tiny home on wheels. It's a box truck, and uh, I love it. It's a really nice setup. It's large. It's got seven foot ceilings. There's a picture of it there. Yeah, it's nice. It's li- it's like you did a really good job building it. It's clean. Everything's got its own little space, and you even carved out this little door here. So, yeah. I did the whole conversion thing. We, me and my family, lived in a school bus for a little while, and it was a converted school bus. It was rough to, in the beginning. It was very rough, but we did a fundraiser. We did these tours promoting Bitcoin early on, and we remodeled and stuff. And it, you know, it's pretty nice, but. We lived there, and I actually had a love-hate relationship with it because it was, I mean, it's one thing to be a single guy living right. in one of these U-Hauls, but to have a family of four, and like me and my ex-wife weren't on the best terms throughout the, the, the duration of it, but it, it was this love-hate thing, and I could flip it in my head like, okay, this is a struggle. I think we should do better for my family, blah, blah, blah. Or I could be like, you know what? Wow, we get to travel the world. We get to see all the sites. We get to go all these events. We get to help organize this freedom community around Bitcoin. And we own our own home. We have no mortgage. We got this big four-ton school bus, 40-foot school bus. So it was pretty cool. Right on, B-Rad, B-Rad, B-Rad. So somebody's asking, so how did you and Nomad find each other? Maybe I'll let you share that, B-Rad. Yeah, so I, this is kind of a cool part because, you know, I was traveling in the van for almost five years. And I, it got to a point that I've seen a lot of stuff. And I was ready um, to have more of a permanent home base, especially considered some of the things happening globally. And so I was like, well, it's time to kind of think about settling down. And so one option, like my parents were in my ear, like you have to buy a property and like get a house and you know, all these things, which, you know, requires, you know, a large volume of capital, right? Not just to purchase the initial piece of property, but all the implements and the maintenance, you know, it's a significant income stream. And so that's one way to do it. But what I figured out I could do is, you know, rather than having to go out and get the money and acquire all that myself, I could leverage someone else that already had the things I need. Leverage away, Brad, and you can leverage <laughs> me all you want. But then in turn, I had something that they need, right? So it's kind of like a, a form of the barter system. And I knew I had a lot of value to offer. And so that, that's what I decided mentally that I was going to look for an opportunity where I could go and just kind of assimilate into someone else's land, add value, and then almost instantly, now I have 10 acres. I didn't pay for any of it. I still don't pay for any of it. <laughs> so maybe I need to get a U-Haul, man. Maybe you should somebody. reconsider. Yeah. So, um, so it's great. And so what also happened at the same time is I just got hooked up with the Freedom Cell community. And that is really what made everything happen for me. Because all of a sudden, I'm linked in with thousands of like-minded folks. And it's basically split down the middle. It's people that have land and they are like by themselves struggling, they need help. And then it's people that want land that don't have the funds to purchase their own. And so it's kind of almost like a, a, a match site where people can kind of get together and link up with who fits their needs. And so I, John happened to post on Telegram, hey, I need help with my businesses. And I was in Arizona at the time. I was literally in my van at Walker Lake, uh, just hanging, I think that's Nevada actually, just hanging out. And uh, so I just sent him uh, a resume. We talked on the phone and I was like, I've never been to Texas. And so because my home is travels with me, you know, it, it literally cost me nothing to uproot my life. I'm already mobile. So I just drove to Texas, spent 500 bucks on gas and started working for him. 
Yeah, and because he provides so much value and just does so much on the land, he lives there rent-free. So he's a living example of living big, homesteading, food production systems, becoming more food resilient with little to no cost whatsoever. Just his labor and his value and the sweat equity that he puts in. So anybody could do that. Really, it just starts with the mindset shift. Instead of saying, I don't have the money, I'm broke, I, could, I can't possibly become more food self-sufficient, how could I have land, blah, blah, blah. You just gotta get creative. And I really appreciate that Brad is going to be presenting at the Homesteading on a Budget Workshop. Again, you could register. It's only $57. We're keeping the price low and accessible. You can register at livefree.academy budget livefree.academy slash budget. But it does look like we have the one, the only Marjorie Wildcraft. So Brad, I'm going to bid you farewell. <laughs> thanks for joining us. All right. And thanks, thanks for teaching at the workshop. I think it's going to be really useful for folks. He's going to talk about the RV stuff, about nomading, about living small. And he's also going to talk about a beef share that we did. Maybe just, just tell us real quick about the beef share. Yeah, just really quick. Uh, again, with the Freedom Cell, I was able to wrangle up a whole bunch of folks. We went in together. We bought an entire cow from a farm that's only seven miles away from our current ranch. And so, you know, it's all about establishing those connections so that if things get wonky at the grocery store, you don't have to fight in line over some frozen beef. You just go right to the farm and buy whatever you need. So yeah. we'll talk about that. And it tastes damn good. And we it's delicious. Some steaks, had some Freedom Cell folks over, did some kebabs. It was awesome. All right, Absolutely. thanks, Brad. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Again, that's livefree.academy slash budget. Livefree.academy slash budget. And now, without further ado, our guest, Marjorie Wildcraft, how are you? Hey, John, I'm doing great. I guess we had a little mix-up on the time there, but um, It happens. You know, All right, good, good. Well, we're glad to have you. Okay, so uh, Marjorie, maybe you could share a little bit about your background if folks aren't familiar with you. Marjorie's also going to be teaching along with Paul Wheaton and Nicole Sauce and Nomad Brad, myself and Rebecca. But we're really excited to have Marjorie because she, I would say, is probably one of the world's leading experts on how to do more with less. And so she's going to be teaching us some of her secrets and some of the skills that she's learned over the years on how anyone, even if you got a single family neighborhood, even an apartment, there's opportunity to do the container gardens on the backyard or set up a nice little wire rack shelf with some hydroponics or whatever it may be. But uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself for the audience? Yeah, sure. So for me, about 20 years ago, um, I was volunteering. I, I actually had a very successful real estate investment business. I had been a student of Robert Kiyosaki. And uh, in fact, I was so successful, I was on, I was the lead testimonial on a bunch of his infomercials, which I'm not totally sure if I'm proud of that or not, but um, I foresaw that the 2008 crisis was going to happen and, and wanted to liquidate all that and very concerned about collapse. Uh, so definitely an early adopter, you might say. But one other thing before that happened was I was volunteering on a farm to table project to get locally grown organic food into the elementary school. And... Um, that that project was a complete failure because there weren't enough farmers to provide even part of the vegetables for one small rural elementary school and i mean this outside of austin texas kind of a progressive place right you know it always like freaking out because in the back of your mind i know we don't want to talk about this but we all kind of in the and even if we don't say it out loud we kind of think if bad things happen we're going to go out in the countryside and just you know steal from the farmers right and I had just found out there are no farmers to steal from. Like there are no farmers out there, really, basically. Uh, and I just couldn't stop shaking, uh, just had nightmares. I, I just said, well, look, I have got to learn how to grow food to take care of my family. And then, of course, the more people that know how to grow food, 
the easier the transition we're going to go through is going to be. So it just became my life's mission to figure out the fastest, easiest, funnest, uh, most delicious way to grow your own food in a backyard or smaller spaces and become food self-reliant. Because honestly, uh, of all the collapse scenarios that I've read, interviewed, food is the number one thing. You know, people in Texas, especially thinking they need what caliber gun. I'm like, look, that's not nearly as important as beans and rice and carrots and tomatoes. So uh, that's how I got into it. Right on. Yeah. And then you need the guns to protect the food from the folks that didn't get prepared. Hopefully it doesn't come down to that. My whole theory with that is like, let's help all our neighbors become self-sufficient too. So we all have food and we're all just a nice crew supporting one another. And hopefully it doesn't come down to like roving marauders, but it's always important to uh, hope for the best and prepare for the worst. So let's get into some uh, analysis, right? So you have had your finger on the pulse of the economy for quite some time going back well before the housing crisis 2007-2008 and you know i've been paying attention to this stuff for a long time too and let me ask you this it always seems like the collapse is right around the corner but the big collapse the one that we all worry about it never really seems to happen and even though the system is is corrupt and fractured and over centralized and vulnerable it seems to be pretty damn resilient. So what's your take? Are we due for that big collapse? Because it's all just kicking the can down the road. It's all part of the big cri same crisis. They just have such good manipulation of the money supply and of the economy that they keep it going. But do you think we're on the verge of something big? Or, or what are those factors that are different this time compared to before? Yeah, I hear you. Because I know, you know, ever since I've been knee high to a grasshopper, I've heard about, oh, we're spending too much money and this whole thing's going to go crazy. And then, of course, I lived through the 70s when we got off of the gold standard and there was stagflation. And I definitely remember people waiting in lines around for a block to get a five gallon can full of gas at enormous prices. So and we have been through some really hard times. What makes us different is, um, and I really have to credit you, John, for waking me up to the whole Agenda 2021 thing that it used to be. Now it's Agenda 2030. And for anybody who first hears about that, you're like, no, what? You know, like, uh. But more and more, I've been paying attention to those scenarios. And just like we had Event 201 that was in September of uh, 2019, and then voila, that predicted a pandemic. And then the voila, in the next year, we have one. Well, in 2015, uh, Cargill, which is the world's largest privately held company, and they basically have their fingers in um, every aspect of food production on this planet, um, and, and they're a privately held company. Well, they sponsored a simulation uh, called the food chain, uh, uh, food chain crisis. Anyway, the, the whole thing was that somewhere around 2020, there'd be some big event, There'd be whole this whole series of weather events. There'd be all kinds of problems. The price of food would rise by about 40% within the first year. It would rise by 100% every year thereafter. And they weren't considering inflation and hyperinflation. They were just talking about there was going to be this crisis of the food chain. And lo and behold, like most of the other scenarios that we often hear about, we are actually living in that scenario today. Uh, so there has been a whole dismantling in small little ways that are hard to see of... Um, the food supply. So it is different now. And what about the inflation? Can you tell us your insights on all that? Yeah. And we are definitely, there's, there's, there's no going back on, I mean, really we're several decades past on being able to go back. So we're seeing inflation. Uh, if you watch the numbers closely, uh, you know, it's gut wrenching to see them just lying 
outright lying about the statistics on, uh, you know, the amount of employment we have, <laughs> the amount of inflation we have, you know, the official rate is eight and a half percent, but every item in there is like 20 or 30 percent higher. And you're going, how do you add all these numbers that are 20 or 30 percent and get eight and a half? Like, can you explain that, please? Uh, but they don't. And you know it. I mean, you see it like a dozen eggs now is what, six dollars or something like that. So it's crazy what's going on out there. Um, and there has been a dismantling of the food supply. Um, farmers, you know, it's, it's just costing an enormous amount of money to fertilize the, the fields. And then, of course, the GMO and the Roundup stuff is costing a lot more. Uh, you know, diesel has been going up and, and apparently there's a diesel crisis that we're about to enter here. The cost of, of, of farming is, is going up. So many farmers didn't even plant. And in a lot of places around the world, like here in the U.S., we're in a really severe drought. There's there's a lot that's not going to come in. Now, are we still producing stuff? Yes. But, you know, are we seeing tightening like at almost every aspect? We also have a lot of countries that are shutting down exports. Even like India had a really great bumper crop year of uh, wheat. But they said, well, we're not going to export any because, you know, we got to feed our own people. So uh, we're seeing more and more of that. Good Lord, I have no idea what's going to happen this winter in Europe when uh, when they don't have the energy that they're used to getting out of Russia. Um, you know, we're in a world of hurt. Another indication of it, and um, you know, following, um, I'm not exactly a, a big fan of the of the Rockefeller Center, but um, the president of the Rockefeller Foundation uh, a few months ago said, you know, all hell is going to break loose on this planet in six months, and he was targeting a date of approximately October or November of this year. It had to do with the fact of all these pieces of the food supply being finally accumulating to where uh, it became abundantly apparent that, that there's a huge global uh, food crisis. Now, I will say here in the United States, it's going to be a little better because we actually are a net producer of food. Um, but it, especially in developing countries where, where people are only earning a couple of dollars a day and then, and then the price of their food now they can't afford to eat at all. The only thing that happens in that situation is violence. I mean, that's what Sri Lanka is the, is the canary in the coal mine on that. Will it get that bad in the United States or in more developed nations? I don't know, but we are definitely going to see uh, higher and higher food prices. And we're going to definitely see that that's absolutely correlated with more and more violence. Right on. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about growing your food, as you pointed out, the price of food is already really high right now and it's only going to get worse. And we have the ability to basically have our own printing press to create our own money. Yeah. People spend so much of their money on food. You might as well be producing it on your own or finding local producers that you can trade with or like I did. I had 120 chickens at once and I found it to be easier to raise these chickens uh, than it was to grow vegetables. The vegetables were a lot more challenging. You had to fight off the worms and stuff wouldn't come out. I still haven't grown an ear of corn in my entire adult life, but the chickens were pretty easy, right? So you can have those chickens, have an abundance of eggs, and then you trade your dozen for a nice couple heads of lettuce or whatever it may be. And it's really important to create these resilient food networks. And so one of the things that we're gonna be teaching in this homesteading on a budget workshop is how to get creative. So let me ask you this. You have a long history of homesteading, of food production, Production, how important is it to have money? And if you are low on money for whatever reason, how can you maximize what you have? How can you get more with less? 
Well, the cool thing about this is, is we have been growing food as a species for, you know, what, at least 10,000 years, right? And so your ancestors and all your great, great ancestors, you know, they didn't have access to the materials and resources that we have, and they were able to grow food just fine. In fact, they were the ones who developed all the heirloom genetics that we have now. Uh, and so, no, you don't need to have a ton of money. Now, does it make it easier if you can just go out and buy a, you know, a chicken coop or buy electric fencing or, you know, buy stuff? Yeah, because, you know, money is a form of energy and it helps you, it can help you accelerate um, uh, things. But no, it's not necessary. You know, there's also a lot that you can do uh, foraging, for example, right? There's free food all over the place that we have just been wasting uh, so there's lots of examples. And I loved uh, when you were talking with Brad earlier about, you know, I'm a big believer that if you just open your heart and hold a question of like, I want to learn how to produce more food and this is what I've got and this is what I can do. Can you can, you know, universe, hey, universe, can you show me a way? It will come to you. We, we, we live in a, in a really abundant, creative world and you can, it's astonishing. You know, a lot of people look at like a whole, they call it the wall of green. And I'm like, no, I see medicine. I see food. I see salad. You know, you can learn those skills and, and do that. Um, and absolutely growing food is, is like printing your own money. Um, you know, really there, there's tons of simple things, you know, mushrooms, you, know, you can grow mushrooms in a bathroom, right. Or in your closet. Um, uh, the, the place I'm living with now, talk about everybody in transition, right? I'm actually uh, sharing a house with a friend while I try to find my own permanent land. But uh, we just got her set up with, a, a, you know, a 10 quail. And she's starting to right here in the living room. And they're just real sweet little birds and lay these little quail eggs. So, you know, just there's lots of things that you can do that, you, you know, uh, if you open up to it and look at it and go, oh, yeah, I, I can make that happen. Yeah, that's great. I, I hear a lot of good things about quail. Our good friend Susanna, who lives near here, she had rabbits for a while for meat, and then it was just too damn hot in the Texas summer. They seemed to be miserable, so she started doing quail, and apparently quail, compared to chickens, uh, they produce a whole lot of eggs, and they come to uh, an age where you can eat them for meat a lot faster. So. And apparently you can put them right in your house, right? Uh, I don't know how cleanly that'll be. I guess you got to stay on top of it, maybe sweep underneath or get a nice base for it. But can you share some more ideas for folks that are living in an apartment or have a small home? What are some other things that people can do right there inside without having to even have a backyard? Yeah, the, the quail are definitely a good one. And yep, you, you just get a tray that you line with newspaper and they poop on that. You roll it up and throw it out in the garden and you're like, boom, instant compost happening for you. Uh, and again, mushrooms, I'd really recommend that one. Definitely your herbs, um, you know, uh, you know, basil, mint, all that stuff. Um, believe me, for a while I was experimenting with just eating beans and rice to see what, you know, what that would end up. And, and um, appetite fatigue is a real deal. There will come a point in time where even if you have it, you won't eat it. But spices and herbs will totally change that. So, you know, that little basil plant, uh, even though it doesn't look like much, it's actually uh, got an incredible amount of value in terms of your taste and, and helping you get through it. Super easy to grow. Sprouts are amazing uh, and they come up really fast. I mean, we're talking five or 10 days and you've got that going and there's not a lot of calories in that, but there's a super boost of nutrition and energy and vitality. Uh, and it's something you can do. There's also a lot of really cool little creative containers that you can have with uh, aquaponics or hydroponics uh, for, for growing indoors. 
Um, I'm not a huge fan of using a bunch of electricity to grow something indoors, but you know, get get started doing what you're going to do. We are living in a vortex of change, so uh, my advice is to start learning. You know, maybe you're in that apartment right now. Do what you can there. Do what you can. You you never know where you're going to be next year. Honestly, I think we all know that that we're in such a vortex of change. So, and the things that you learn from like a couple of little potted plants on the windowsill are going to be the same thing that are directly translatable to when you have a garden bed or to when you're managing acres of crops. So, you know, when, when plants don't get enough sunlight, they get real pale green, they get, we call it leggy, they grow real tall and they, they're spindly. And that's a characteristic of they're not getting enough light. So you'll know what that looks like regardless of whether they're on that windowsill or outside or wherever, right? Uh, you know, if you've hit them with, uh, or if they're not getting enough nitrogen or they're getting the roots are too wet, they t tend to turn yellow. You know, learning these things, those plants, even just a few plants can teach you a tremendous amount that will be skills that will be very important for you uh, for the rest of your life. So uh, don't underestimate the power of even just a few herbs on a, on a windowsill. There's a, there's a tremendous amount that you can do. And even if you're only doing a little bit, of course, there's the classic, you know, trellising tomatoes and cucumbers and all kinds of stuff uh, on the balcony or, you know, uh, down the side of the wall. <laughs> um, lots of opportunities for um, shared earth is one website where uh, somebody may have a backyard and can't work it. And then they are, you know, you can connect up with them via this website and, you know, garden there and maybe give them a share of the produce or whatever you negotiate. But uh, vacant lots. For a while, I was gorilla gardening here. I was in a location that had absolutely no way I could grow anything anywhere on that site. And so I just went out onto a public area and just dug up a garden and started growing. <laughs> so <laughs> like I said, if you open up, open up and ask the universe, uh, it will come to you. Yeah. And like you said, it's all about getting creative. I think a lot of people, it, it, a lot of it has to do with the mindset, right? At Live Free Academy, we have this four-part empowerment philosophy. It starts with mindset. Then you got to have a good strategy. Then you find other people to work with, and then you take massive action. And it starts with mindset because a lot of people, they just are programmed to be in this victim mentality. And when you present an idea like, hey, we should grow more food. Let me share some ideas on how you can grow more food. The first thing they do isn't, oh, that sounds great. You know, I'm in an apartment, but I'm open to learn, and I, you know, I feel confident that we can figure something out. The first thing they do is like, well, I, li I live in an apartment. I can't grow food. I need to have land to grow food, and I can't afford it, and blah, 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 blah. So it's really about opening yourself up, like you say, to the possibilities and the creativity. Now, another thing, and it's the third piece of our empowerment philosophy, is working with other people. So yes. can you talk about the importance of community when it comes to becoming more food resilient? My favorite topic. Absolutely. So I can give you one. When I, we first started homesteading in Central Texas. I had uh, chickens. I had eggs. I had rabbits for meat. Uh, we actually had a couple of cows. So we had beef and then, and then a little bit of, of fruit. And that's just us with what we could do on our homestead. And of course, I started reaching out. And there's a whole program of how I began to actually build a whole self-reliant community there, not on a piece of land, but connecting up neighbors. Uh, but let me give you an example with just one other neighbor we met. And he kept bees and he had goats. Uh, he also had chickens and um, uh, some fruit, but different fruits. So almost immediately... 
I went from just having, you know, eggs and rabbit and beef and vegetables to now having honey and goat cheese and an assortment of um, fruits and vegetables because he had different stuff that I had. Uh, so right away, just two families, you know, you're increasing what's available to you as well as resiliency. Another thing that people often don't think about, uh, especially in regards to community, is the importance of genetics. Uh, you have your rooster in your hens or your buck in your does, and you absolutely have to have enough other people that are also breeding rabbits to be able to swap genetics because the gene pool has to be big enough for resiliency and strength. So, uh, you know, if it's just you all the time, um, it, it's not going to work. And then, of course, just general skills. Um, you know, uh, one morning we were working, my husband and I, former husband, <laughs> he's a good guy. Uh, we were working on a, on a loafing shed for the cows and uh, a big piece of sheet metal slices my leg open. Uh, unfortunately, I'm homeschooling my daughter and we had just done the module on first aid on how to handle a severe laceration. Anyway, he's getting me in the truck and we're doing the mad dash, <laughs> the 45 minute mad dash to the hospital. Um, and, but as soon as we get there and he gets me checked in, you know, he's, he's calling up a couple of neighbors says, Hey, um, can you come over to the house and, uh, hang out with the, actually we were living in the barn. Can, can you up to go up to the barn and, um, uh, wake up, you know, be there for when the kids wake up because the kids wake up and mom and dad aren't there. And there was just this huge amount of blood everywhere. They see that they're going to completely freak out, you know? So, you know, like in, within minutes, we had some, some neighbors, the kids knew, making them breakfast and talking to them and saying your mom's in the hospital, but it's going to be okay. But, you know, just little things like that. Right. You know, um, from that incident, eventually I learned how to treat those kind of wounds and sew up those kind of wounds and make home pain painkillers to, to be able to, you know, get through that. And it's funny because that just came around just a, just a few months ago, there was a, a local farmer here had sliced his leg open with a, a chainsaw and didn't have the money to go to the, uh, thing to do the medical system. And we just went ahead and treated him here. So, um, you know, community, right. Everybody having skills to do stuff. That's really what it's all about. And we have uh, created a community and a network for folks to join at the freedom cell network, freedomcells.org, freedomcells.org. We just launched a new website where you can actually put, if you're someone that owns land and are looking for people to help or live on the land, or if you're somebody that is looking for a community to join, but definitely uh, it's totally free for people to join. We strongly encourage people to check that out. You have created a network as well. You call it the Grow Network. Do you wanna tell us what that's all about and how folks could join and take advantage? It's a wealth of knowledge and resources. I use the search function on the website all the time. So what's the website people can go to and what's the Grow Network all about? Yeah, it's thegrownetwork.com. Oh, and by by the way, John, I keep hearing about these freedom cells. People are going, hey, Margie, have you heard about these? And I'm like, you know, as a matter of fact, I have. I think it's a great idea. So my whole thing has always been about food and medicine. Like, how do you do it? And you can kind of think of it as the home front, right? You know, what went during the Civil War, when the guys went off and, you know, if you've lived in the South, you see all those battlefields. I used to always go, what do the women and the children do, right? So the Grow Network is kind of like... Um, you know, the home front, like how do you grow food? How do you make medicine? How do you take care of things? We have a really active and engaged forums area where we have, oh my gosh, I think, I think we're at 120 or 150 um, volunteers now. We call them the street team. These are really experienced homesteaders. They're always talking about different things, different 
topics. You can ask any question you want in there. You know, how often do I collect eggs? Or what is that bug? Or, you know, does anybody know how to preserve eggs? Or I, all kinds of questions. Or have you heard about, uh, you know, how to, how to use echinacea for snake bite? Any kind of question you might have, you can pop in there. Uh, then we also, of course, yeah, there you go. You've got it up. Thanks. Um, I'm in there all the time, by the way. If you want to reach out to me, just tag me at Marjorie Wildcraft in almost any of the comments. And, and I, I get in there and answer almost all of them or engage. And I'm constantly having fun in the forums. It, it's just, just a great online community. Uh, we also have a, a newsletter and we have uh, newsletters come out about four times a week, which will let you know what are the most interesting forum posts that are going on. We also have a blog where we're posting uh, four or five posts uh, a week again. Um, by the way, if you're an experienced homesteader and you want to write for us, you know, reach out to Marin, who's our editor. Uh, we, we always love to have, you know, real genuine high quality content. We'd love to have you contribute in that way. Uh, and we do, we are able to pay a little bit. So we pay better than other sites. Uh, we have a little store where we sell kits uh, and digital information. We have an academy where we teach a lot of courses in chickens and gardens and goats and sheep and home medicine and making home medicine and uh, canning, um, beekeeping, um, growing those mushrooms, just uh, growing cannabis. Because <laughs> of course, right? Great trade item. Um, uh, so we have the Academy. Uh, yeah, so it's a, you know, it's a really developed site. I've been really, really grateful that they have been able to kick the can down the road. You know, a lot of us thought 2008, 2010 was going to be it. And I totally underestimated uh, the ability of the U.S. government to back then, it was egregious. They were printing an extra trillion dollars a year. And now we're up to like printing an extra three to five or 10 trillion a year. <laughs> and it's just going to get crazier. Uh, and they have kicked the can down the road. And that's great. We've had that much time to build out these resources so that we can get you up to speed very, very, very quickly and connected with other people all around the uh, planet and people that are in the same region that you are. So you know, you can learn if you're in a cold climate, you can learn what to do there. If you're in a hot climate, what to do there. So um, that was very similar to the freedom cells. We're just connecting people up to share resources because I really believe inherently in the goodness of people uh, and the willingness to share and help. And that's what the Grow Network is about. Awesome. Yeah, I was impressed by how much uh, traction there is with all the posts. Like already today, there's a dozen posts for people looking for questions and asking asking questions, looking for help and all sorts of stuff. So it's really great that you've created that asset for people. Uh, is it free for people to join the forum? Yeah, absolutely. It's all free. Um, the way we fund the business, actually, and this is not a nonprofit. We are a functional nonprofit. Like we like profit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we love profit, right? Uh, it just hasn't because I always, as soon as we make a little money, I'm like, oh, we could do this and this. Oh, yeah. People, right. Um, but yeah, the store we have and we have little kits like how do you make a tincture? OK, we'll help you. How do you make elderberry cough syrup? OK, we'll show you how to do that. And we sell you the herbs or, you know, um, you know, what's a really cool knife? Well, we got some really great knives in there. So, you know, just some tools and equipment. And, um, oh, we're, we're about to come out with this really cool compost tea brewer, which is amazing. Oh, cool. So, uh, you know, just uh, just great products to, and and as you, you know, you're a businessman, John, I think most people here, if you're, you're probably in this community, you understand entrepreneurship and you understand, uh, you know, buying products and services from companies that you want to continue to support. So um, right. that's 
you know, that's how we do it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Now we are really excited to have you presenting at the homesteading on a budget workshop. Folks can get their tickets right now at libfree.academy slash budget. That's libfree.academy slash budget. It's taking place September 3rd. Uh, so before we let you go, can you let some of the listeners know what they can expect from your segment at the upcoming workshop? Well, we're going to be talking about how to grow half of your own food in your backyard, uh, in a backyard size space, and what that looks like, exactly how many calories are going to be generated, how much time it's going to take, um, you know, um, what size, what amount of space and size are you going to need, what kind of skills are you going to need. Uh, but it's really empowering because a lot of people, they think of growing their own food and, and, and you know, I don't want to be like politically incorrect, but I'm going to have to do this. And people normally think, oh, my God, I'm going to turn into a migrant worker. That is not at all true. Right. You know, it really only about an hour a day. You can produce half of your own food, a very simple system. As I said, I've, I've spent years figuring out the fastest, easiest way to get people up to speed and being able to produce something substantially, even in a grid down situation, and especially if you're older or out of shape. So all these things are designed for to be accessible uh, to, to anybody. So we'll go through that system on how to grow half of your own food in a, in a backyard size space. Awesome. That'll be extremely valuable. And we're really grateful to have you uh, be a part of the workshop. We're also going to be joined by Paul Wheaton. He's the Duke of Permaculture. He's got a lot of great programs and he's definitely somebody that does a lot uh, in a very scrappy way. So he's somebody that gets creative. Uh, fun guy, too. He's a, he's a funny guy. Uh, is a hoot, he's a hoot and a half. Man. He's a hoot. That's right. Um, uh, Nicole Sauce, my good friend from Tennessee. She's definitely somebody. She's going to teach us how to preserve, whether it's canning or drying or freeze drying or whatever it is, how to preserve your excess food yield and then how to strategically purchase food that's good for bulk food storage. So that's going to be really great. Of course, we, we heard from Nomad Brad earlier. He's going to talk us about nomading, about this meat share we did. And then finally, Rebecca and I are going to talk more about mindset and about making sacrifices and about how to plan uh, so you can live small in the moment. So later on down the road, you can really start to manifest abundance and and be more prepared and self-reliant. So I want to thank you so much for joining us today, Marjorie. Uh, appreciate everything that you're doing and looking forward to seeing you on September 3rd at the workshop. I'm looking forward to it too, John. It's going to be awesome. And I, if I could make one final comment, you know, we, we talk a lot about Tetwonky, right? The end of the world as we know it. And, um, and, and, and it will be the end of the world as we know it, but it won't be the end of the world. And actually, I believe it's going to be a much better world. Like this is an opportunity with these systems collapsing to shake off the grip of uh, large controlling forces that have been managing this planet for a long time. And, and, you know, for me, I used to make a lot of money. I was running a big business, very successful. I would have never wanted to grow my own food. Like that was the last thing on my mind. Right. And I am so grateful. I had that wake up call at the Little Red Rock Community Center. Uh, and because I love it, I love growing my own food. My health has impro improved dramatically. Uh, and it's the best thing that ever happened to me. I just can't imagine my life without growing or harvesting or wildcrafting food. It's, it's, it's what we do as a species. And when you get back in touch with that, you're going to fall in love with it. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much for that closing note. I'm, I'm with you. I, I've been leaning real, real heavy on uh, the idea of hope because, you know, for folks in our community that are aware of what we're aware, it can seem daunting and overwhelming. And a lot of people spend so much time, the folks that 
aren't spending their time in the garden. They spend so much time behind the computer researching, watching these scary documentaries and stuff. But in reality, the future is what we make of it. And I really appreciate that. It is the end of the world as we know it now. But to be honest, the way the world is now isn't that great. So it's up to us to create a better world in our own little circle and sphere of influence and then share that wisdom with the world, radiate outwards. And people will be like, dang, what are those guys smoking? I want some of that. Yeah. They look good, healthy. They're having fun. They're playing with the kids. So life is good. And uh, I appreciate you with that positive attitude. Yeah, and we'll we'll show you how to grow that thing to smoke. Anyway, we'll, we'll see you on September 3rd, John. All right. Okay. Thanks, Marjorie. All right. Marjorie's having a good time. Okay, folks. This is the Live Free Now show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use of a free, prosperous, and healthy life. I highly, highly, highly encourage you to join us for the Exit and Build Homesteading on a Budget Workshop taking place September 3rd. I've been very conscious of the needs of our community, and I came to recognize that a lot of people have this limiting belief that they can't possibly become food self-resilient, self-reliant. They can't possibly exit and build because they're barely paying rent. They're struggling financially. They have a dead-end job, or they're out of work, and they have little to no money. Well, we are going to teach you all of the secrets, tips, tactics, and strategies that you can engage in in order to become more confident in your ability to provide for yourself, your family, and ultimately your community. It is our time to shine, ladies and gentlemen, and I want you to understand that I don't have enough money is a self-imposed limiting belief. We need to smash through those internal obstacles, clear the way so together we can thrive, not just survive, but thrive through the coming crisis that is just around the corner. Things are going to get rough, but it doesn't have to be rough for us. We can seize this opportunity to create a better world through the destruction and the failure of the centralized systems. It's our time to create a new paradigm that's decentralized, voluntary, and instead of focusing on these corruptible, vulnerable supply chains, we need to shore up and create our own resilient food networks on the local level and in our own homes, apartments, homesteads, whatever it may be. It's our time, folks. I want you to understand that whether you have little or a lot, whether you're broke or you're rich, whether you got a 10-acre homestead or you live in an apartment or an RV or whatever it is, we are going to teach you the secrets, the tips of the trades from some incredible people on how you can become more food self-sufficient and how you could do it with a smile. All right. This is John Bush. Peace and freedom. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm out.